friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philibon. Good morning, podcasting community. (laughs) I am sitting here with the one and only Lauren Morgan. She's laughing at me. Um, Also known as the fierce Joe March (laughs) in Little Women, the musical. Uh, We just opened the show last night. That we did, yes. Um, so happy opening. Thank you. Happy opening to you, too. Congratulations. Thank, yes, thank you, thank you. Um, I think everyone really loved it. I really, yeah, honestly. It, it was a decent-sized house for opening, especially in the midst of a pandemic. And yeah. um, they, they seemed to respond really well. They laughed where we wanted them to, which was right. nice. Yeah, and I was even, I was talking to uh, a couple other members of the cast... Um, and I said, the one note that I forgot to give everybody was hold for laughs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you kind of forgot that it, there are parts of the show that are funny. Yeah, I, because we had been focusing so much on, like, you know, the drama and, and the tragedy of, of the show. Because it is, like, more of a musical. But I was like, oh, yeah, this show's also really funny. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a really well-written book. Like, really, really well-adapted. Yeah. It's good because it's sort of, you know, it takes you on this roller coaster of emotions. Absolutely. And you, you know, one minute you're laughing and then the next minute you're crying and then the next minute you're laughing again and like... Yeah, it really bounces back and forth. And I I think that they were smart in that way of, um, you know, we talk a lot about in Act 2 the most amazing thing being like the the break between the sadness and the and everything else but yeah, it's true yeah. you need stuff like that because if it's all sad all the time it's too much yeah oh yeah yeah well, right and so the, it's because if they're you know people who are very familiar with the show um, you know obviously it's little women i feel like everyone knows that story and mm-hmm. and you know it's we have uh, some things are meant to be which is the flying the kite song which is beautiful like when one of the most beautiful songs ever written right and then if there was no the most amazing thing which is like the Lori and amy engagement song um then it would just go right into days of plenty and then it would go just right into lots, fire lots of grief too heavy so we need like a Lori amy engagement moment to like smile for, to get you ready for <laughs> right for like a you know a couple of minutes to, like to false sense of security yeah i know you're like oh things are like great you're like no they're not <laughs> yeah, exactly. okay cool we're not there yet <laughs> yeah so it just it really takes you on such a roller coaster ride of emotions which is good like that's what I feel like theater is is supposed to do. It's true. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this because, you know, this is a novel that was written over 150 years ago now. Yeah. And and I would just, like, if Louisa May Alcott was alive today, I bet she had no, like, writing this story, she probably had no idea. The effect that it would have on... The world? Yeah, seriously. Well, especially, I mean... No one wrote about strong women like that. Uh, or mm-hmm. if they did, you know, it was Jane Austen was someone who wrote yep. about strong women. Or like Emily Bronte. But she's right up there with, 
with those kinds of strong, independent, um, like selfless women who yeah. who speak about other women. Yeah, yeah, it's right because I mean, this there's so many different adaptations mm-hmm. of, and so many people's different, um, you know, like viewpoints or like take on this story. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, really, I mean, it's just about like ordinary people and ordinary days, ordinary life. You know, it's, it's about like getting married and, uh, losing your sister and, um, you know, going skate your childhood and it's it's just like ordinary stuff. And it's so, um, what's the word? Like magnet, like it, it, it it affects you in, in such a way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so many movies, so many plays, the musical, like it's, it's just crazy to me because, I, you know, with me starting this podcast, I, I'm thinking, okay, so like in 150 years from now, are, are people... This st- podcast will be turned into a musical, a Broadway musical. I, I That's my goal here, really. I'm so curious to know what Louisa May Alcott thinks of the fact that like this story that has, you know, spanned so much time... Um, has been turned into yeah <laughs> into like a splashy Broadway musical right like how she would sort of like interpret like if she'd be watching it and be and think like hmm interesting right. like okay <laughs> right. like huh weird the Philibom story a musical <laughs> well, I'd love to see that oh yeah I'm, I'm living it oh, it's <laughs> I'm true current, true I'm living it right now um, but yeah you're right you know t- like. It's crazy, you know, because if you think, okay, if if this story was set in, you know, modern day, mm-hmm. and Joe March, she wants to be a writer, so she's going to move to New York, and she's going to, you'd be like, okay, cool, you know, right. like, well, whatever. it's so much more accessible now, yeah. fortunately. Uh, yes. Thank God for that. But, yeah. you know, I, I'd be curious to, to know what adversities she would want to address nowadays mm-hmm. versus back then. When right. she actually wrote the novel. Yeah, because I even just think about, you know, back in, you know, Civil War era and, like, the 1860s mm-hmm. and her just being like, nope, like, I'm a writer and I have a dream and I'm just going to move to New York. And I'm, like, that's, like, right. unheard of. Like, oh, yeah. like, nobody did that. No, no because one. you were supposed to get married and have babies. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, like people, I think people genuinely. A woman writer. Well, what is that? <laughs> what? We should be hearing a woman's voice. Right, like, exactly. you shouldn't be writing. You should be cleaning the house. You should be changing diapers. Exactly. Sh- yeah. Preparing food. But it's, it's so interesting to me to think about how it took a long time for that to change. I mean, you think about yeah. even just in the 1950s. How, like, being a housewife, which, if that is what you want to be, more power to you. I think that that's fantastic, and mm-hmm. you should live your best life. But it, but even then, so much of, like, male society was saying, yeah, no, women are meant to stay at home, make sure that there's dinner on the table, look beautiful, and yeah. have babies. And that's it. Like, spawn my <laughs> legacy. It's, <laughs> right. It's, it's like, what? Right. <laughs> it's, it seems like crazy now. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I mean? like, Oh, absolutely. It's like crazy thinking, yeah. to me at least. 
And I know, like, my childhood and my upbringing, like, I was, I got a lot of mixed messages. Oh, from, interesting. Yeah, from my family, from society, because, like, I, you know, I, I relate to Joe so much, mm-hmm. as I know you do as oh, well. absolutely. Especially her, her passion, her drive, her, you know. Independence. Yeah, her work ethic. Yeah, yeah. Her definitely her, I mean, like, strong work ethic there. Um, but I was sort of taught to believe by my family, but also society, like sort of the same, like you're not complete as a woman until you get married and have children. But so that was like one message I was getting, but then wow. the, but then the other message I, because I was always doing shows. Okay. So I was always involved like performing or, you know, and then when I got older, I was teaching classes and, mm-hmm. or, you know, running summer camps for kids or, you know, always in the theater somehow. And so, but that was also like, okay, Sarah, obviously you love this and, and you're good at it and you feel really passionate about it. And like, so you should follow your dreams. Like, so that, so it's huh. like, I, for me, I think my biggest struggle has been sort of in, in stuck in the middle of right, like, right. Oh, okay, which do I pick? Like, right. like, how do I, you know, like I want to get married. I want to have a baby. And obviously I do have a baby. Yeah, right, I do. Right. I do have a baby <laughs> right. now, you know? Um, but then my career has also been really, really important to me. Well, it's hard. It, I can imagine that it's really difficult when you've almost almost been raised in black and white thinking, like you can mm-hmm. have one or the other, versus the gray area of maybe there's a balance of both, or there is a balance of both. It's just different from the black yeah. and the white. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, like, my mom was a single mom, and she raised three of us, and she... Um, always told us to she was very big on like following your dreams because when she was growing up um her parents were very much you know you can't move out of the house unless you're married Mm -hmm. you can't Mm -hmm. like she wanted to be a dancer she was a very good dancer she was a part of the joffrey ballet wow and uh you know she was constantly being told that she wasn't good enough or that she needed to be better if she really wanted to do that and so she kind of like gave up on her dream almost and she moved out of the house because she was getting married and so it was very much um she tried to teach us essentially the opposite of all of that as a parent like live your life like I will support you no matter what you want out of life and uh I remember we had just moved up um, from Queens, and we moved into the Hudson Valley, which is about an hour north of New York City, for anyone that doesn't know. And she, uh, I guess we saw an ad in the paper, I was about five, and a local community theater was doing Oliver. And so she decided to take me for the night. And she saw how enamored I was by the performers on stage. And, like, Oliver is not even really a show for kids. No. Like, there are kids in it. Yeah. But, like, you would think that a kid, like, now thinking about it, I'm like, a kid would fall asleep during that. It's long. Yeah. It has it's a lot long. of adult things in it totally (laughs) so but I was like mesmerized and so in the back of the playbill we saw that they were having auditions for the little mermaid yeah and my mom was like would you want to audition for this it means you would have to sing by yourself and talk by yourself Mm -hmm. and stuff and I was like hell yeah I mean I didn't say that because I was five but (laughs) in my mind that was the idea yeah 
So, uh, so yeah, that was I auditioned for it, and that was my first show at I was like five or six years old, and I, I played that. the fluke who's the Duke of Soul. <laughs> I wear this like bright pink um, like box that was shaped like a fish <laughs> with suspenders. <laughs> it was pretty epic, and like a pink a pink '90s sweatsuit. Yep. underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a hair scrunchie. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Out of your face. You know, it had to be out of your face. Right. Yeah, of course. Oh, that's so great. So, so then um, tell us, you know, so after your, you know, t- Tony Award winning role yes. uh, <laughs> that's, in, in, that's that, in, in that production, um, tell us about your theatrical journey. Um, well, I did do, I did a lot of community theater growing up. My mom saw that I had this passion for it. And like I said, she always wanted us to find what made us happy and fulfill Mm -hmm. our dreams. Um, and so I kept going back. The next show I did was Winnie the Pooh and I was, I think I was a heffalump (laughs) in it. (laughs) Um, and then like slowly I branched into this other community theater um and did more shows there uh and then I think when I was I was in eighth grade so I was at the end of middle school and I found out that there was um a conservatory program like a Shakespearean conservatory program um maybe a half an hour away and I decided to it was run by um Sam Wright who is the original voice of uh, Sebastian in oh, the cartoon Little cool. Mermaid. And then he played uh, Mufasa in Lion King on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, had to, you had to audition to get into this master class, but to be in this master class, um, you needed to at least have had like a year of acting training with them in one of their other programs. But I guess I came in, and I came in with this monologue. It was the first time I had to do a monologue. And I auditioned, and they let me in to the Masterclass program. Nice. Without having to, like, do this year yeah. of training or whatever. Which was really cool, and I did King Lear there. Um, nice. Yeah, I was, like, one of the guards or something. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a small thing, but it was a really, really cool experience. And then from there, I did lots of shows in high school, and... Mm-hmm. I went to um, AMDA, which is the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, and uh, loved it there, and now here we are, you know? It's just, it's kind of always been a part of my life, and I've yeah. always wanted it to be a part of my life. Yeah, of course. So have you, so AMDA is in uh, New York City. Yes. Yeah, I was um, in the New York campus. They have an LA campus, but... Um, I did the New York program. Mm-hmm. Have you lived in New York? Pretty like, have you been based there? Mm-hmm. I've been there uh, since two thousand eight. So, what is yeah. that? Like twelve, thirteen years now. Yeah, long time. Um, yeah, but you yeah. but you've left a lot. I have. Yeah, I've definitely I've traveled a lot. Um, it's it was kind of the city was like always a part of my life because mm-hmm. I didn't live far you know I was able to go in and see shows and yeah I always asked for tickets for Christmas yep. and birthdays <laughs> and stuff like it was always a special occasion um so making the transition to actually living there was 
not a difficult thing. I was very fortunate that like I wasn't coming from the Midwest or the West or uh, some like small town because mm-hmm. it had always just been a part of my life. Right. Well, that's so nice that you grew up like so close. Yeah. To the city. Very, very fortunate. So it was it was respect. very easy to kind of like you know go mm-hmm. go into the city, see shows. Oh, yeah. You just, just take the train and stuff. Yeah. And you're down there in yeah. an hour and a half. Great. Oh, so great. Yeah. I was very, very lucky. I, I relate to that so much. I mean, I grew up in Maryland, which mm-hmm. it was about a four-hour drive. Oh, yeah. So, absolutely. like, uh, you know, not – like, uh, it's like, you know, to me, a four-hour drive is not that big of a deal. No. It's, like, it's long, but not really. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. can do it in a day. Absolutely. Like, if you need to, you can go up and come back the next day. Definitely. Um, which I've done before, you know. Right. For like, just a, just a, a day. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Let's go see a show, and then we'll go home. Exactly. Um, but I, I remember, you know, every birthday, every Christmas, every, you know, my parents would always ask me, okay, like, what do you want for, for Christmas? And I, the answer was the same. Oh, like, yeah. Like, literally. Always. For, for, show tickets. Yeah. I, I want to go to New York, and I want to see as many Broadway shows as I possibly can. Yeah. And the answer is, that's still the same. You know, I mean, obviously, oh, we know that Broadway shows are not happening right, 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 now, oh, right now, which is so sad. So you know? sad. Yeah. It's just so many people who work on all of those products. I mean, like, I can definitely speak from a performer's perspective, but I mean, like, all the tech people and all the companies that, you know, like, PRG and all these companies that... Um, provide sound and lighting and sets and stuff all of those people who don't even go into the theaters Mm -hmm. are out of work because there are no shows going on yeah it's it's I mean it's a huge industry huge industry yeah lots of jobs I mean lots of money being lost right Right. now it's it's uh it's devastating oh it's it's and it's 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 truly I think it is affecting every single arts organization it doesn't matter where you are in the country it mm-hmm. does any sort of like live performance you know organization oh, yeah. is is i mean a lot of people um are are not able to reopen yet mm-hmm. and then you know the longer this goes on i mean s- some theaters aren't going to be able to open at all right except because they're just not no one's making money so if yeah. you're not making money then how do you pay the bills? <laughs> right. If, if there's no money coming in, right. then how do you pay your staff? How do you pay your performers? How do you... Exactly. You know, it, it takes a lot of money um, to, to do shows. And it's a it's a risky business because you never... Like, are people going to come see the show? Are they, you know? Right, like, right. <laughs> there's so much that goes into it. I mean, marketing and PR and there's, there's yeah. so much choosing the right season for your demographic. And right. It's just kind of crazy when you think about yeah, it's the grand I, scheme of it all. Yeah, it, it's the. I mean, I feel like especially with you know the pandemic took everybody by surprise. Oh yeah, you know, um, and everyone. I can't think of a single person. Um, this is like a theater person, a non-theater person, just people in general that I've mm-hmm. talked to about quality of life in the year twenty twenty. And um, I know that that everyone is really struggling right now. Oh yeah, there's there. It doesn't matter who you. It doesn't are. matter who you are because or... it's affecting everyone so differently. You know, yes, we are all in it together in the sense that we all had to shut down. The whole country had to shut down at least at one point or another. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, so many people have lost loved ones so many Mm -hmm. people are still out of work and then 
you think about it, it's really interesting to think about like state by state yeah. because, you know, being in New York, obviously that was like the, the major hub for a really long time. And so we were the first ones to close and the last ones to open. But then, um, like people out in states like Wyoming or even Indiana, you know, weren't getting hit as hard. And so it seemed like this far off thing for a while because, oh, it's just in New York. But then it slowly spread across the entire country. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I feel like I was, when the pandemic first started, I was very naive. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I knew that obviously it was something um, that to, to be taken seriously. Right. Um, but I just, but it felt, you know, I was in Illinois at the time and I just felt like, oh, it's, it's in China or it's, right, you right, know, like, exactly. oh, oh, it's in New York. It's far away from me. Exactly. Like, it's so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I very, very foolishly thought like oh this isn't going to affect me right, like it's it, never like, gonna come here and yeah and looking back like why did I like how stupid like why did I why did I think that like you know it's no it's it's a glo- it's affecting everyone globally exactly. it doesn't yeah. matter where you are it doesn't matter what you're doing it is a, it is affecting you in some shape form or fashion well seriously and then you think about like the world the fact that the world is going through it not just not just america not just yeah like truly the world which that's that's insane i mean like this is some this is a part of our lives that we're just never going to forget no like there this is one of those things where you know your kids are going to ask you or your students are going to ask you years from now oh where were you when the pandemic hit like what did you do you yeah, know? and well, and I'll, you know, I say I was taking care of a baby, <laughs> and I, uh, you know, choreographed Little Mermaid, <laughs> and um, exactly. I worked on this uh, really cool outdoor production of Quilters. I tried to and, bring joy to people yes! in the midst of everything. Yes, that, exactly. Because what I, else are you going to do? Yeah, well, and that is, I mean, one of the number one goals of me starting and creating this podcast um, is to help people, mm-hmm. is to bring people more stories and more uh, perspectives and, and more honesty mm. to help people not feel so alone. Oh, yeah. So, right, we need, we need some laughs. We need some... Absolutely. We need some, we, we, it's like we need a lot of things. We need some laughs. We need some joy. We, we need more connection mm-hmm. because this time is really isolating. Well, and I... Yeah, I absolutely agree 100%. And I love... You know, if you like are on social media and you see people talking about how, you know, it's okay if you don't write a best-selling novel in the midst of this. It's okay if you're not becoming the best belter on the face of the planet. <laughs> yeah. It's okay if you're not producing anything artistic mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Because we all deal with things differently. Yep. I know I saw tons of my friends on social media putting out great content, you know, practicing the guitar and like putting videos online or or doing literally anything and I was thinking to myself, what, like what am I doing right now? Right. What what am I like what do I need to be doing right yeah. now? But you know what? What I needed to be doing was just creating a daily routine for myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> Making sure that I didn't, like, fall into the pits of my couch. Right, <laughs> yeah. Which is totally fine. If yeah. that's what you need, then that's great. Right. But for me, like, I needed to 
get up. I needed to know that I was going to work out to keep myself active. I knew that I needed to be outside at least once a day. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed to create some kind of schedule because I'd never had this much time to do nothing. Probably ever. Yeah, no, (laughs) never. In your whole life. (laughs) No, exactly. Like, not working. And I remember the day that I was working at a restaurant in New York City and the day that the company like called everyone and said you know we need to put everyone on furlough everything's going to be shut down for a while and I remember getting off the phone because I had never been unemployed like never gone on unemployment before Mm -hmm. I'd always found some kind of job and I remember crying because I was like like what is this what am I going to do what is even happening yeah and now looking at it it's like okay take a deep breath it's gonna be fine this is just another experience in life but but yeah it felt devastating at the time because Mm -hmm. it it was just something that I had never had to do before fortunately yeah you know but it's it's so weird thinking that the last that that was five months ago it feels yeah. like a, a, ages ago. Yeah. And it, it <laughs> We're was, still in the year. You're right. It's, it's, yeah, and it's still going on. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. So many. Yeah. I and, mean, everywhere. Not even just so many parts of the country, but just everywhere. Right. So, like, what are some of the things, you know, uh, you know, obviously this isn't going to go away for a while. Mm. Like, we're going to be, you know, in this together globally for a while now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, we didn't really realize that at first, but, but now it's become very clear and things change every day, right. you know? Right. Um, and so you just kind of have to like ride the wave and mm-hmm. just sort of expect the unexpected and, and really just try to find the joy in, in, um, in difficult and stressful and unknown times. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, what are some of the things that you would like to see change in the world? You know, like it could be currently or, mm-hmm. or as we're coming out of the pandemic, especially for our industry. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that kindness goes a long way. And I think that being a real person goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, very easy in our industry for people to put on a fake face because that's what they think everyone wants. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with some composers and writers who are very, very genuine and are very kind, wonderful people. And I think that that makes a big difference. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, if, if you're a good person, you can go far you know I don't think that everything has to be cutthroat Mm -hmm. so I would hope that coming out of this that you know people are more accepting and a little a little I I hope that everyone kind of like breathes a little bit you know like breathes a little bit more so that we can all come back stronger and come back more unified instead of everyone like fighting to get mm-hmm. to get things open again. I would hope that the industry as a whole um, 
works together and knows that like we're all on the same team and everyone wants the same thing. Right. If that makes sense. It does. And I think that also, I mean, in in light of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, I hope mm. that again, in speaking about kindness and and um, awareness and stuff, I I think that we absolutely need to take a look at the industry as a whole and mm-hmm. and really, really think about whether we are actively um, giving people of color the chances that they deserve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've absolutely done a lot of, like, thinking and self-checking in over this time and mm-hmm. stuff about things that I've said or done that have been unintentional, but that I need to check myself for, Yeah, you know? And, um, and I hope that, that this, like, this breath of fresh air includes all of that yeah. as well. Well, I definitely think um, all the things that are going on in the world right now is raising a lot of awareness. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, awareness for um you know for communities for society but also a lot of self-awareness oh definitely i know for me check in with yeah yeah you need to you need to really go inward Mm -hmm. and and really like analyze your thoughts and your beliefs and yeah and things that you've said in the past or things choices that you've made or Mm -hmm. i know for me i'm definitely like wow okay like i like wh- I really used to think that, or or, or right, why did right. I why did I say that? That was that right. you know absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure just like me, it's always been unintentional. But now thinking about it, you you really do have to actively think about it more. And I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, we yeah. talk about living in this uncomfortable time and this uncomfortable situation, but. We need to do that so that we can do better. Yes. Like, you, you have to sit in that discomfort so that you can come out on the other side better, stronger, fighting for what's right, fighting for everyone. Yeah, you, you right. You come out through the other side of the uncomfortability uh, much more self-aware, mm-hmm. um, much more compassionate. I, yeah. I, I would hope. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a, a kinder human being. Like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because people again, like people are struggling. Right. People are in pain. People are right. in deep pain. Oh yes. Right now. Absolutely. Um, for a, lo- a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I've I've been very very fortunate during this pandemic to not be living alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Honestly, I I don't know how I would be right now if I had been alone for the last five months. Yeah, I've been very very fortunate, and again, that's something that I am hyper aware of mm-hmm. and very very grateful for. Yeah, but you know, like in line with all of that, you think about just adversity in life and and the struggles that we all go through you always have to live in that like weird uncomfortable place to get to the next place and that's what sucks like, that's yeah the, yeah su- and, and right now it's <laughs> sucking for everyone yeah it's uh, nobody wants to feel uncomfortable no oh, <laughs> nobody, God, no. nobody wants to you'd be in pain you know it it, it does it, it sucks um but you kind of there's no way around it 
there, there's the only you have to it's go th- you, have exact, to, you have to you have to go through it you have right. to move through it like there's Ugh. just no you can't side you can try all, all you want oh you yeah can, but it's just gonna come back like it's not gonna change you <laughs> no, know it's not like, gonna get better that wall is always gonna be there in some sense until you can break through it yeah and I think you know so what are if you think back in your past like what are mm-hmm. some like difficult things that you've had to live through or, or struggles that you've had, um, you know, it can personal struggles or struggles within the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely did not have the, the easiest childhood. I mean, not a lot of people have. Um, I was very, very fortunate that I mean, my mom is my best friend and Mm -hmm. she's my brother and my sister's best friend as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we grew up in a single parent home, and um, she started dating a man when I was in high school, and his name was Bill, and he, you know, became our father, mm-hmm. and he helped raise us, and he was around for nine wonderful years until he got sick, and mm-hmm. um, it was cancer, and it was four months from diagnosis to death. It was very, very fast. I stopped working at that time because my mom had to keep working. And so we, um, so I drove him to his chemo and his radiation every day. And, um, he and I were really, really close. And I just, I just kind of refused to accept that, that he was dying like that he yeah. that he was going to die and this was right around Christmas um <clears throat> I remember it was like it was basically Christmas Eve that we brought him home from the hospital to like start hospice care mm-hmm. and nine days later he passed oh my god so it was a lot of that like lives vividly in my memories mm-hmm. like the days that things happened and um <clears throat> It was that was my first major loss. I had had grandparents pass, and that was really difficult. But this was like, this was a new level of grief. Yeah, this was like, this hit really hard, and it taught me a lot because my mom and my brother and my sister grieved in such a different way than I did. I needed to talk about, like, I Mm -hmm. needed to be able to voice it I needed to be able to talk about it and they did not want to talk about it at all mm-hmm. they were like nope we grieve on our own like we we can't yeah, talk about it we don't want to and so right. I felt very alone like <clears throat> very very alone in my grief and I was in therapy and stuff at the time um I've been in therapy pretty much my entire life me in too and out of therapists yeah yep. I firmly I am a firm believer everyone can benefit from therapy whether you have issues or not whether you think you have issues or not it's so good to be able to talk to a third-party person who is not in your life yep but will just listen to you talk about your life and offer advice and coping skills yeah firm believer I think everyone should be in therapy at some point or another I agree (laughs) but but I was in therapy because my entire childhood, I had been misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder, oh. and uh, we didn't know it. I was um, suicidal a lot of my oh. um, like high school, early college years. I'm so sorry. And thank you. Um, but you know what? It's 
made me a stronger person. And eventually, so we got to a point where this was right before my dad got sick. Uh, we got to a point where I was saying to my mom, I was like, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. I am so miserable. I am yeah. so, and my mom said to me, she was like, uh, I will like do this, try one more thing for me. Like come and see these specialists in the city and let's talk to them. So we went and they were, it was like a bipolar specialist mm -hmm. and stuff. And I told them my story. And at the end of the meeting, they said, well, you don't have bipolar disorder. And I was like, what? Like, are you, what? Yeah. My entire life, what? what? Right. <laughs> you know? And they said, no, we think you have something called borderline personality disorder, oh. which can often be misdiagnosed yeah. when you're younger. Um, but we think that this is what you have and you need to go talk to these specialists up mm -hmm. in Westchester. So... I had like this crazy mixed bag of emotions like are you kidding me this entire life I'm thinking yeah. this one thing we're trying to treat me for this like yeah. all these medications and stuff yeah. and then the other part of me is like okay well maybe we now know what it is like it's right. like a little bit of hope you know mm -hmm. so I go see these people in Westchester it's um <clears throat> and they diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder, which is essentially, it's on the bipolar spectrum, mm -hmm. but what it is is when you have bipolar disorder, you go through manic and depressive phases for extended periods of time, mm -hmm. whereas with borderline personality disorder, you can bounce back and forth in one day multiple oh, times. Yeah. So like something could trigger me and I would immediately start crying and be really, really upset or angry. Yeah. Or another thing could trigger me and I could, like, bounce back and be totally fine. Mm hmm So it was a lot of, like, emotional roller coaster in one day. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had started intensive therapy with, um, with this group. I started what's called DBT, which is Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, um, where you... Basically, like, you have to do individual therapy, you have to do group therapy, and you mm -hmm. do, like, phone sessions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you get this booklet, you've got homework. You, right. You, it's essentially turning your mind. It's yeah. basically teaching you how to cope with these extreme emotions that you're having mm -hmm. on a daily basis so that you can function. A lot of people can't hold down jobs. A lot of people yeah. can't maintain relationships and mm -hmm. stuff because they just don't know how to deal with everyday things, right. you know, like the peanut butter running out and not being able to have the sandwich that you wanted that day. Yep. <laughs> it's the, like the tiniest thing. It's like a toddler, you know? It's yeah. The tiniest thing will set yeah. you off or the biggest thing. So, yeah. so I was in that for a year and a half. Um, I was in it while my dad was sick, which I am beyond grateful for because I don't know what I would have done if if I had lost him and not been in therapy at the time and not been working on myself so hard, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I graduated from that program the year that he died and I completely, like, I became a new person. It was like I finally 
found who I am, yeah, which is amazing. And now, I mean, obviously, I've always been like a huge mental health advocate, and like, yes, I. And the reason why I bring it up now is because there is such a stigma, and people don't talk about it, and people, yeah, don't, don't do what they need to so that they can live their best lives, you know? Yeah. My mom always said to her friends and to me, she was like, I don't think Lauren's ever going to know what it is to be happy. Mm. Like, my entire life. And then, you know, I turned 23 and my dad died and I graduated from this program. And even in the midst of that, I was able to find joy in things and find happiness in things because I put in the work. Like, and yeah. learned all these coping skills and stuff. And now I am the person that I am now. And Be- Because of that. Yeah. And it's yeah. so weird to think about. Like, it's so weird to think that you had to, like, push through all of this bullshit. Yeah. But I'm so grateful to be on the other side. Yeah. It's crazy. That, it's so crazy. That, I mean, that... I didn't know any of that. Like I, 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 I did brand new information. Yeah, no, no, but but I, I can't thank you enough for sharing that, yeah. for sh- for being so honest and genuine about that because and and um it's it's really inspiring to me. Thank you. It's really inspiring because you're right. I wish that more people would would talk about their mental health struggles mm-hmm. because I think if there wasn't such a stigma mm-hmm. and if people uh you know didn't feel like they were going to be judged. Right or or right. Ca- or called a crazy person. Right. Oh yeah. You know that then they would open up about it, and I think and you know by opening up about and being vulnerable and being honest, mm-hmm. it inspires other people to do the same thing. Absolutely. And then you realize that it's much more common. Right. That, that you're not alone in the struggle. Yes. That you're not crazy, that you're not... Well, and I know that that's a lot of what you and I have talked about over the last couple of weeks, just that, that, you know, it's okay to be in the midst of all of this insane stuff, like Mm -hmm. all this insane stuff that's going on in your personal life while a pandemic is going on, and you're grieving, and it's like... (laughs) It's like, you know, when it rains, it pours. But this is like, when it rains, it's a hurricane, you know? Yeah. Like, and, like, that's, and it sucks, but it's, but it's okay. Right. Like, it's there, and you are strong, and you are... Yeah. You are so fucking strong. Sorry. That was... <laughs> that, I probably shouldn't have said that. No. That's, but that, but that's you are okay. so fucking strong. Thank you. We'll just put a little E just, for it. Yeah, for, for explicit content on, on this on this one. Like, it's the New York thing. Yeah, it's, 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 my mother raised a sailor. It's, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mom. She oh, this is funny. She used to. Um, so my dad and my sister. My dad used to curse all the time and stuff. He would drop the f bomb like nobody's business. And so my sister picked it up. My sister is six years younger than me. So she was mm-hmm. young when, like, they got together yeah. and stuff. And my sister picked it up. And so she started saying it. Mm-hmm. One year for Christmas, he got her a little teddy bear that had a little shirt on it that said, every time I drop the F-bomb, a kitten dies. <laughs> and, so, and, and my mom used to say to us, can we please keep the F out of Christmas? Like, can we please keep the F out of my birthday? Can we please? <laughs> because they used to just like throw it at each other basically <laughs> <laughs> so 
So she used to, that was what she wanted for Christmas. <laughs> that was what she wanted for her birthday. <laughs> it seems like a very simple um, you know, yeah, no, request, like, concept, like a right? simple gift. Apparently know? not. Not not where my sister is concerned. Oh, <laughs> she just boy. does what she wants. <laughs> I adore her, but she does what I she mean, wants. I mean, that's pretty badass, you know? Yeah. Oh, You're yeah. like, whatever, I just, I do what I want. She is, yeah, I admire her for that, definitely. Definitely. She and my brother are so similar. They're like the same person, but the male and female versions of each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're four years apart. And, um, but they used to fight like cats and dogs when we were kids. It would, they used to (laughs) scream at each other. My mom, who like was in the workforce and stuff, like she was working three jobs just to like maintain the three of us when we were growing up. She used to get phone calls at work. My sister would be screaming at her like, mom, Eric's doing this, blah, 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 blah. And my mom's like, is anyone bleeding? She'd go, no. And then my mom would hang up on her. <laughs> and then she'd call her back. And, and my mom would be like, Nicole, I am at work right now. And Nicole would be like, but Eric is blah, 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 blah. And she's like, does anyone need to go to the hospital? Is the house on fire? No. no. Then we're talking about this when we get home. <laughs> Click. Yeah, exactly. Oh, she hung up on her so much. You better figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And then she'd come home and be livid, and no. I would be like, why are you guys fighting? Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun household. <laughs> it's, it really sounds like never a dull moment. Oh, never a dull moment. Yeah, but I'm sure, I mean, like, that, it prepared you for this industry. and the, oh, and, and this Because you're like, that's nothing. Like, you, you know? It's, like <laughs> That's true. You know, when you think about it, it's, this industry has definitely been a rough road for me, for everyone, for so many people. Yeah. I still, you know, don't know if I've necessarily found my place yet mm-hmm. in the industry. I want to keep working. I still have the drive and the passion. Yeah. I just, the rat race is tough. It's brutal. I'm 31 and I'm tired mm-hmm. and <laughs> like maybe the rat race isn't the right way for me to kind mm-hmm. of get in the door maybe I just need to I don't know talk to people meet people get them to know me and then yeah like and then opportunities will come and stuff um I'm so grateful to be working right now me too uh, like insanely grateful yeah. especially in the midst of everything but also I really do love working here like mm-hmm. it's a great little theater I love what Jeremy's done with it. I think mm-hmm. that the production quality has gone up. Yes. And <clears throat> yeah, it's it's definitely I I'm definitely at a place in my life and I'm sure that you can relate to this like where I'm caring so much less what people think and just being confident in who I am, mm-hmm. where I am in my life. Like I know that I've worked hard. I know that I've gone through stuff and yeah, it's, I mean, like, I felt like I was so behind in the rat race. I felt so behind in everything because, like, I had to put life on hold so many times for therapy, for my dad, for, <clears throat> you know, everything in life, for divorce. Like, I, I feel like I've had to put my life on hold so many times, but you know what? I am who I am because of it, and, like, my best years are yet to come. 
You know, and like, like they really, they are. That's I know ha- that they are. I'm yeah. so much happier now. Yeah. And I know that that is why my best years are yet to come. Right. Like, like it's almost like you can kind of feel it in your body. Yeah. And you can kind of like, when you like look into the future, you know, like, like you see it. Right. You right. See, you see so much, um, goodness and, and like, right. and joy and happiness, like, like, well, like it's coming. That, it's so cheesy, but like I just thought of that line from Little Women when Joe says, I will blaze until I find my time and place. And it's like, I'm gonna keep fighting until I until like until you figure I it really out. Until you get to where I wanna be. Right. And I think I'm on that path. It's just you know, I just have to be accepting of me where I am right now. Yeah. Like this is and that's right. totally fine. Yeah. Like, 31 is not the end of the road for a performer. Like, no. there's so many years ahead. It's so really, it's only, it's, only, it's only the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's only the beginning. And it's easy to say. It's so easy for us to sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll figure it out. Like, there are definitely days where I'm like, <laughs> I'm oh, not, I'm so screwed. Like, I'm not going to, I don't know how to figure it's it never out. Gonna ha- it's <laughs> never going to happen. Yep. Why am I still trying? Like, yeah. You know, I'm up against the 20-year-olds, but I'm very fortunate that I am short, mm-hmm. which I never thought that I would be fortunate for, and that I still look young. Yeah. You know, like, I can still play the kid roles and the yeah. so on and so forth, and hey, if that's my market, then awesome. Yeah. Like, then I will live it and love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and also you, I mean, we've done um, a couple of shows together now, and mm-hmm. I know we were talking a couple of days that we've never actually performed in a show together yet. Yeah, <laughs> that, yet. That yet. Has yet. We're putting that on the yet. It's, yeah, exactly. yeah we're, we're seeing it in the future. Right. We're putting it into the universe. Um, well, and I was saying to you that, like, it's been one show every year for the last three years. Yeah. That we've yeah. worked it. It started with Sister Act, which was... Uh-huh. 2017 kind of a whirlwind experience, experience for both of us yes. yeah <laughs> and then uh last year we did Mamma Mia mm-hmm. you were director and choreographer and that was right after Sophie's birth which mm-hmm. is so ironic with Sophie's and stuff yeah and it, then, well it is isn't it crazy to look back like oh, a, yeah. a, a year ago because I um you know I had a C I had an emergency c-section mm-hmm and five weeks later, here I am, you know, like being a dancing queen. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously like because, teaching choreo, yeah. and managing a cast of like twenty. And... Yeah, I know. Like because I and that was your first time directing and choreographing, right? Like, yeah, actually, yes, it was the first. Well, it was the first time I had directed and choreographed a full length. Oh, full full yeah, length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I had done like TYAs, right, or, You know, right, like right. or ju- just directing or just. But that was chore- a big. I mean, that's yeah. a large scale, huge mega show. mix at the end. A lot to do. Musical. A lot of music. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of choreo. So much. Choreo. Yeah, yeah, and here I am, like you know, five weeks postpartum. Right. I'm still like recovering from surgery. Seriously. I'm still pumping my breast milk. Well, I remember <laughs> you saying to us like like forgive me, my body is still out of whack. So like yeah. if I can't get down on the ground, I'll have someone show you <laughs> yes. what I mean. Yeah. Because... I'm the dance captain. Yeah. <laughs> do like, it. I yeah. I just can't just can't get down there. And I just get back can't up again. physically do it right, right. now. <laughs> 
but yeah, you're right. And so that was a little over a year ago. Right. Um, you know, just gave birth, and now I'm doing Mamma Mia. And now a, a year later, you know, my mom um, right. just passed away, and now I'm doing a show and I did like, all of Little Women. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Well, yeah. and a show about family and mothers and dealing with grief. Yeah. And, like it's so weird the way that the universe works. Yeah. And, and puts things in our lives. Right. It, at, at, like, the, the perfect timing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, when things, like, come into... When the universe sends you things, like, exactly when you need it the most. Definitely. Because, you know, obviously, you know, Little Women is a show about... A, there's so many themes throughout that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, however you, you sort of look at the show, you could look at it a lot of different ways. But um, you look at these characters, and, and even, like, in reading the book... Mm-hmm. Um, these characters within the family and then also like the people outside of the family they're so giving oh yeah they're so endearing mm-hmm. they're so helpful like they're really they're really there for each other oh yeah you know and you look at like Mr. Lawrence like how much he like the next door neighbor just, like, gave to them just yeah just like out of the kindness of his heart yeah he's yeah. like here you want my piano here like let me give you some money like let, Christmas let me... breakfast yeah stuff, just yeah. because they brought theirs to a poor family like right and, and yeah. even the March family they're always um like giving to people and helping people out and checking on people and right. you know Marmy is one of her things throughout the book is is always like make sure you go and, and check on people like make right. sure you, you go yeah, yeah, and like yeah. check in even while she's away yeah and that's I mean that's how Beth ends up getting sick in the book is that she goes to check on this family the Hummels mm-hmm. and the baby is is super sick with yeah. scarlet fever and the baby dies in her arms. Yeah, and then Beth gets sick and never gets better. Yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. It's so... Just just for being kind. Like Right. For just for trying to help right. somebody. Well, and you talk like you think about grief nowadays and God, they I mean like people died so much easier. Died of like mm-hmm. the common cold at that time period. And babies died all the time after childbirth and mothers died all the time in childbirth. And yeah. you think about like the fact that they were probably grieving all the time. Yeah. And we think about grief now and it's so devastating, but I wonder if it was like a more normal process right because it was so frequent it, versus now we expect people to live forever yeah because yeah. Well, well there's medicine like right. medicine will fix them yeah it's fine we it's have all good. we have modern hospitals like, yeah yeah so i feel like grief hits us so differently now than it probably did back then I, yeah i never even thought of that you, you, i was thinking about it when when we were staging one of this, it was probably like when Amy comes home from Paris when we were mm-hmm. staging that scene and I was thinking like, how many people had they lost at this point? Had they lost anyone? Had they? And then I was thinking about like my modern day grief, you know, like when yeah. I lost my dad and that was devastating because yeah. he shouldn't have died. He was 65 years old. Right. Like, yeah. it was not his time at all. No. Nope. You know, and the same with your mom. I mean, my mom was 58. Right. Yeah. Way too young now. So, I don't know. It's interesting to think, for me, it's really interesting to think about how we grieve now versus then. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, this is why we really need to, ha- like, summon Louisa May Alcott's right, ghost. Like, Talk to us about this. <laughs> yes, we need... I want your insight. We need to know. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, we need to know your thoughts. We need to, like, uh, you know, we need to talk to her ghost. Exactly. Like, it's just funny. Well, I'll get the candles. <laughs> we'll get the Ouija the We'll get the Ouija board out. We'll get the Ouija board. We'll have a summoning. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, and it's like... I just think about it's you know when Joe March is sort of you know going through grief and and going through and really and really going through like extreme loneliness. Oh yeah. You know she needed she needed a podcast to listen to. Ser- yeah right. Seriously, <laughs> she would have found podcasts fascinating. She would probably never leave the room because she'd no. be listening, or she'd have her like earbuds in and just be listening the whole time. And someone's having a conversation with her, and she'd be ignoring them. Because, <laughs> like honestly, I think that yeah, Joe March, any information and knowledge that she could get, mm-hmm. she would take it all in. Like TED Talks would be oh yeah, would be her jam. They'd yeah, be right up her yeah. alley. Well, because she would listen to somebody like talk, and then she would get a great idea, and then and, oh, then, yeah. and then she would write about Go it. Go off in her own world, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will say, like, what I know about you is that you definitely have the work ethic that that has, will carry you and will sustain you. I mean, Joe, Joe, playing Joe March is no joke. Like, that, like, you, <laughs> I mean, experience. it is, you never leave the stage. Yeah. You, I mean, it is very um, physically, vocally, and emotionally demanding. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you really have to go, I mean, you have a million quick changes. You have, you have so many lines. <laughs> and you, like you, You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. So I just wanted you to look good, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, I mean, you're always moving and running and sweating and mm-hmm. belting and crying and, you know, like you're doing it all. Like you're, you truly, you carry the whole show. And so, and you came in to rehearsal, like pretty much off book. Like yeah. I was, I tried, I really, I'm did. like sitting there in rehearsal and you know, she's just like, Lauren's not holding a script. She's just like, <laughs> I'm like, she is day one. Like she is off book for Joe March. I'm like, this is amazing. And that's one of the things that always inspires me so much mm-hmm. is people who work hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because no, it's true. Because that is so, like, that was so much of my upbringing and how I was mm-hmm. raised is that you are always working. You, right. you are, it doesn't, you, you, you always have to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. You're always, you know, you're always working on something. It doesn't right. matter what it is, but you always need to be working. Right. You need to be doing, you need to be going, you need to be learning. You need to be taking classes, watching shows, performing in shows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. how, and, and that has really stayed with me forever. You know what I mean? Like, like, well, I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure that it's affected your career in, in like always, working with different people at different theaters and uh, I mean like constantly having something to do yeah I guess well and I mean truly there there is my mindset is that there's always something to be done Mm -hmm. there's always even if even if you're not working on a show even if you know there's, there's something that you can be doing yeah um, and I know for me you know think the future is scary for everybody nobody really knows like what's going to happen especially with the pandemic and with theater and like we don't know but people you know have been checking in on me a lot which I appreciate so much that's wonderful um and people are like well like 
or people like, how are you? Or like, what are you up to? Or what are, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and, ha- complicated and half the time I never know how to answer that. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing that I do know is like, uh, I'm going to be changing diapers. Like right, I'm going right. to, I'm going to be taking care of a baby. I'm exactly. going to, you know, like, so it, it, in that aspect, um, I think one of the things that always really save you, that saves you in times of struggle is taking care of someone else. That is, yeah. Because that is t- getting out of yourself, yourself and, and putting it on it's, someone else. Right. It's, That's it's, really interesting. It's that service. It's that giving. And even though, and I'll be honest, like I I don't want to wake up at seven a.m. every day and and no. and change a poopy diaper. Right. <laughs> But, I'm like no, I, w- I want a day don't. off. <laughs> yeah, I want seriously. a day off. But... I'd like a spa day, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go. I'd like to lay in bed all day long. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but I, but I physically, I just can't. You know, right. I can't because a lot of the times you're I'm, right. It keeps you pushing forward. It, right. It, it it gets me out of bed. It you keeps, have to. You have to. I keep. You know, because who else is going to do it? Right. Like... No, that's that's actually really really interesting because it's yeah. You're, you're just forced to. Right. It, it, it is part of the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, it is part. And being a parent, especially of, a, of, a, of an infant and of mm-hmm. a small child, I mean, that's, it's, that's not even a full-time job. That's like a constant, everyday, always, right. always right. job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. It, that doesn't go away. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it has truly, I've, I would say, the number one thing and the number one person who has changed me the most is my daughter Sophie oh yeah she has changed me I mean a comp- she is a, a very spirited little nugget <laughs> she has she a lot of energy so much energy <laughs> she's I mean she is so much you like <laughs> she is so much you thank you which is amazing but I'm sure that you are like thinking about your mom right now and yeah. thinking like how did she do it how did she do it right like, like truly and I, I will say like my mom um just she loved being a mom mm-hmm. it was her number one favorite thing and she loved being a grandma Aww. and all the time she told me Sarah I wish I could just quit my full-time job and I could just come be Sophie's grandma like that yeah. that's like my dream job right there seriously yeah Ugh. so I and I and I you know, wish that could have happened too. Absolutely. But, but you know, so anyway, well, I know that you have um, a two show. A, a, you have you have two shows to do. Yes. This is this is a this is a two doche. Yeah. Um, for you, so I think we kind of have it's to be the first one. It's, yeah. Oh, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. No, you're gonna be great. You're just gonna, you know, you're gonna It'll you're gonna fun. you're gonna find it. You're gonna figure it out. Exactly. You're gonna. Yeah, you we know. Do, we do the work, right? Right. You, we do you, it. Yeah. But we love it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely we do. Love it. We do. I mean, there's a reason why we both have been doing this for so long. Oh, like, yeah. for as long as. Oh, yeah. As so many people get out of the business because it's. Hard. It's so hard to be in it. Yeah. So I'm grateful anytime I get to be in it, no matter what the show is. Yeah. Just so me, grateful. Me, me too. And anytime. Um, I get offered anything, like, I always want to say yes. Oh, yeah. Like, I just want to say yes to everything. Right, right, exactly. You know, like, like whatever you need me to do, <laughs> right. I'll be there. You know, <laughs> exactly. like, that's yeah, sort exactly. of, like, always been my attitude. Like, well, we talked about, like, 
like, you want me to run the spotlight? I'll run the spotlight. Great. You want me to yeah. mop the floors? All right, I'll yeah. mop the floors. You, do you need me to wrangle the children? Do <laughs> exactly. You, do you need me to perform? Do you need me to be, like, tree number seven in the back? Right, do you right. need me to be the leading lady? Do you need <laughs> yeah. me to direct and choreograph? Like, I'll exactly. be there. You got it. Exactly. Because we just, we love theater so much. Yes. And so it's it's that passion. It's oh, yeah. it's the fire within you. Yes. It's, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's all of that. Um thank you so much thank for you. Yeah, this for for taking the time to chat. Absolutely. And um I hope you have a wonderful two shows today. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you.